Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. Well, I realize that we've been pretty deep lately. We've been kind of heavy. We've went through some deep and heavy things uh, here lately. And so I want to begin this way, if we can. I want to begin with Yertle the Turtle by Dr. Seuss. Yes, uh, Dr. Seuss wrote a children's story called Yertle the Turtle, which describes a very self-absorbed king. His name uh, is Yertle, and uh, he's the king of a little pond on the faraway island of Salamisan. And so I think it communicates well uh, our biblical text for today in a different kind of way. And so on the lighter side, uh, I hope you enjoy. On the faraway island of Salamisan, Yertle the turtle was king of the pond. A nice little pond. It was clean. It was neat. The water was warm. There was plenty to eat. The turtles had everything turtles might need, and they were all happy, quite happy indeed. They were until Yertle, the king of them all, decided the kingdom he ruled was too small. I'm ruler, said Yertle, of all that I see, but I don't see enough. That's the trouble with me. With this stone for a throne, I look down on my pond, but I cannot look down on the places beyond. This throne that I sit on is too, too low down. It ought to be higher, he said with a frown. If I could sit high, how much greater I'd be. What a king, I'd be ruler of all I could see. So Yertle the Turtle King lifted his hand, and Yertle the Turtle King gave a command. He ordered nine turtles to swim to his stone, and using these turtles, he built a new throne. He made each turtle stand on another one's back, and he piled them all up in a nine-turtle stack. And then Yertle climbed up. He sat down on the pile. What a wonderful view! He could see almost a mile. All mine, Yertle cried, all the things I now rule. I'm king of a cow, and I'm king of a mule. I'm king of a house, and what's more beyond that, I'm king of a blueberry bush and a cat. I'm Yertle the turtle, oh marvelous me, for I am the ruler of all that I see. And all through that morning, he sat up there high, saying over and over, a great king am I, until long about noon when he heard a faint sigh. What's that, snapped the king. And he looked down the stack, and he saw at the bottom a turtle named Mac. Just part of his throne. And this plain little turtle looked up and said, Beg your pardon, King Yertle. I've pains in my back and my shoulders and knees. How long must we stand here, your majesty, please? Silence, the king of the turtles barked back. I'm king and you're only a turtle named Mac. You stay in your place while I sit here and rule. I'm king of a cow and I'm king of a mule. I'm king of a house and a bush and a cat. But that isn't all. I'll do better than that. My throne shall be higher. His royal voice thundered. So pile up more turtles. I want that 200. 
Turtles, more turtles, he bellowed and brayed. All the turtles way down in the pond were afraid. They trembled, they shook, but they came, they obeyed. From all over the pond they came swimming by dozens, whole families of turtles with uncles and cousins, and all of them stepped on the head of poor Mac. One after another they climbed up the stack. Then Yertle the turtle was perched up so high he could see 40 miles from his throne in the sky. Hooray, shouted Yertle, I'm king of the trees, I'm king of the birds, I'm king of the bees, I'm king of the butterflies, king of the air. Ah me, what a throne, what a wonderful chair. I'm Yertle the turtle, oh marvelous me, for I am the ruler of all that I see. Then again from below in the great heavy stack came a groan from that plain little turtle named Mac. Your Majesty, please, I don't like to complain, but down here below we are feeling great pain. I know up on top you are seeing great sights, but down at the bottom we too should have rights. We turtles can't stand it. Our shells will all crack. Besides, we need food. We're starving, groaned Mac. You hush up your mouth, howled the mighty King Yertle. You have no right to talk to the world's highest Turtle, I rule from the clouds over land, over sea. There's nothing, no nothing that's higher than me. But while he was shouting, he saw with surprise that the moon of the evening was starting to rise up over his head in the darkening skies. What's that, snorted Yertle? Say, what is that thing that dares to be higher than Yertle the king? I shall not allow it. I'll go higher still. I'll build my throne higher. I can and I will. I'll call some more turtles. I'll stack them to heaven. I need about 5,607. <laughs> but as Yertle the turtle king lifted his hand and started to order and give the command, that plain little turtle below in the stack, that plain little turtle whose name was just Mac, decided he'd taken enough and he had. And that plain little lad got a little bit mad. And that plain little Mac did a plain little thing. He burped, and his burp shook the throne of the king. And Yertle, the turtle, the king of the trees, the king of the air, and the birds and the bees, the king of a house and a cow and a mule, well, that was the end of the turtle king's rule. For Yertle, the king of all Salamisan, fell off his high throne and fell plunk in the Pond. And today, the great Yertle, that marvelous he, is king of the mud. That is all he can see. And the turtles, of course, all the turtles are free, as turtles and maybe all creatures should be. Dr. Seuss. It's good. It's a good story. I think it compares to our... Bible text for today. We'll get to that shortly. Yertle the Turtle reminds me of a quote that C.S. Lewis made in his book, Mere Christianity. It is a, a timeless classic. C.S. Lewis said this, A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. That's a good quote. When we're high, we look low at others and not up at God. Amen? 
Whenever we grow that yertle the turtle heart and we get high, we always look low at others. And when you're looking low at others, C.S. Lewis reminds you, you cannot look up at God in worship. This morning, we're going to be talking about the, the self sins. Today, we're going to address the sin of self glory, maybe better known as pride. We love self glory because we have self love, and our self love leads to self-highlighting, self-glorification. Pride is self-glory. And I think one of the greatest threats to our soul is this issue of self-glory. It, it threatens our soul. It, it threatened Yertle the Turtle's kingdom. Maybe we could put it this way, self-awesomeness, right? The bottom line of sin is this. We think we're awesome, don't we? <laughs> we think we're awesome. We should ask this evaluation question as we say, search me, O God, and test me and try me. We should say, do I seek God's awesomeness or mine? Sadly, a lot of times we seek our own awesomeness. We seek our own glory, right? Because we carry pride. C.S. Lewis again said this, pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. It's the sin of selfishness. That's deep in our soul, isn't it? A splinter called pride that is so hard to remove. Who can ever get that out, right? If we can just work on it. Pride. We might do better by calling pride these names. Some of the self-names. Self-centeredness. Self-righteousness. Or even self-pity. A form of pride in the opposite direction from self-righteousness. We could call it by these names. Self-exalting. Self-promoting, self-protecting, or even self-depreciating. Even on that end, it's still pride. We could say this, that there is a warning. Both a superiority complex and an inferiority complex, they both have roots in pride. We could say it's this, it's self-concern. It's the sin of self-focus, self-importance, self-regard, self-trust. Self-determination, self-sufficiency, self-absorption. Do you struggle with some of those self-sins? We all do, right? We're, we're human. A.W. Tozer, a great pastor and writer in a book that he wrote while on a train ride, said this. He called these self-sins the hyphenated sins of the human spirit. Right? Those hyphenated sins of the, of the human soul, he went on to say these words, we all have a number of self-sins. Self-righteousness, self-pity, self-confidence, self-sufficiency, self-admiration, self-worth, self-love, and a host of others like them. These self-sins are not something we do. They're something we are. And therein lies both their subtlety and their power. They dwell too deep within us and are too much a part of our natures to come to our attention until the light of God is focused upon them. We need the light of God in our hearts this morning. Pride, or the inflated ego, right? Or if it's the deflated ego, it still wants to be inflated, right? So you can still have self-pity and you can still self-depreciate, and, and that just means you have this deflated ego that really just wants to be inflated, right? But, but pride or the inflated ego acts in this way. It's controlling. It's, it's dominating. It's competing. It's, it's boasting. 
You can ask yourself these questions. Do I control? When do I seek to control? Do I dominate? When, when do I attempt to dominate? Do I compete with others? When do I do that? And what's in there? Do I boast? When do I boast? Pride's going to say, notice me. Right? That's what my, my pride says. Notice me. Notice me. Please notice me. Our pride will say this. I'll do it all. I'll do that. I'll be in charge. I'll do it all. Pride says that. Pride speaks to us and says, please yourself. Please do it. Please yourself. You're worth it. It's okay. You're your king. All right? Pride will speak to us and say this. Protect yourself. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Protect yourself. Don't, don't step out in faith or don't witness. Protect yourself. Be comfortable. You deserve to be comfortable. Oh, you deserve to be happy, right? Pride will say all those things. Oh, you deserve to be noticed. Oh, you deserve to be in control. No one does it better than you anyway, right? This is all pride. Self-glory. Pride says, you're great. Or pride will even say, you're not good enough. It's still, it's still that same root that still says, no, you're not good enough. You're not. It's still from pride. Pride will say this to you. Pride will say, I can sin this time. And get away with it. Or I can sin in this area. God, I'll obey you in all these areas, but in this area, I choose what's right for me. And I can sin in this area in my life, and it's acceptable and it's okay. Who's telling you that? It's pride, right? It's, it's self. Self-glory will cause us to ball hog. Like we're on the basketball court and we hog the ball, right? Or at recess. That's what self-glory does, right? In life, all of a sudden, we become ball hogs spiritually or emotionally or physically. Self-glory causes us to say, me or mine, like our kids did when they were little, right? We just say it in different ways today. Me, mine. It's the infection of the soul, pride is, called meitis. <laughs> and I have it, meitis, and you may too. Is your self-glory showing in your actions? Is your self-glory showing in your words? We know that we're to seek God, amen? We're to seek God more than self-glory. We're to seek God above, above all. And so we're going to look at that today. You're going to see a proverb that we're going to begin with on the screen. It's Proverbs 16, 18. You've probably heard it before and you've probably kind of reorganized the parallel thoughts in it. But it speaks for Yertle and it's going to speak for our king that we're going to look at today. It says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction, right? It did for Yertle. And that haughty spirit before a fall. And we're going to see it in the life of a king this morning. But first, another illustration. We used this one a, a long time ago when uh, all the kids were itty-bitty that are now grown up. But once upon a time, there was a, a fox and this fox needed to get across this huge river. I mean, it was as big as the Mississippi. This was impossible for this fox. He thought, how in the world am I going to get to the other side of this river? And so the fox thought about it, and he came up with a great plan. He saw these two big swans swimming, and he said, Swans, come here. I've got a plan for you. Like, you know, I won't eat you. But, but, but here, come over here. I've got a plan. I need to get to the other side of this river, and if you swans... We'll, we'll bite this stick on both sides and, and you'll fly over the, the mighty Mississippi River or whatever, right? I'm going to bite the stick and you can safely carry me to the other side. And so that's what they did, right? The swans get there into the stick and they hold it up and fox comes and he bites his part of the stick and they're flying over this huge body of, of water. And the wise owl comes seeing what's going on and he says, Wow! 
He says, this is brilliant. He said, you guys have a great plan. He said, whose idea was this? And Mr. Fox said, it was mine. <laughs> Pride goes before right that fall, right? You're going to see it in the life of a man who is seeking his own self-glory. It is a king with pride. His name is Uzziah. Uzziah. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, this is on page 377 and will also be on the next page, 377. I want you to see King Uzziah. I want you to think about Yertle the turtle, and I want you to think about our own hyphenated sins of the soul. First, I want you to see his rise, and then we're going to see his fall. So number one, King Uzziah's rise. Let's start in 2 Chronicles 26, page 377. The Bible says, And all the people of Judah, this is the southern kingdom of Judah, and all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was... 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah, because he had passed away. A 16-year-old boy king, you're right? We're dealing with 16-year-olds, some of us, and they're learning to drive, and they're getting responsibility and privileges. But It's scary. But here is 16-year-old Uzziah of the southern kingdom of Judah, and all of a sudden he is made king. Verse 2 says, He rebuilt Eloth and restored it to Judah, after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years. Had such a long reign in Jerusalem. Even get his mother's name. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Verse 4 is key. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, Yahweh, Adonai. All of the kings get, it, get either he did what was right or he did not do what was right or he did what was evil. Always this would be the case. The chronicler and, and even in kings always wants to tell you either he did right or he did evil. And so for the most part, this is just a general description of that they mostly, for the most part, followed the Lord, Yahweh. He did what was right. That's his commendation in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Verse 5 is also key. He set himself to seek God. Right? Not himself. He is seeking God. It's a good thing when we set ourselves to seek God. Right? right? Seek you first the kingdom of God. We're all to do that. You're doing that today. right? We're going to seek Jesus today. We're going to go into the house of the Lord. And we're going to worship. It's a great thing. Here, this king, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. Not the book that bears his name, but probably another one. Who instructed him in the fear of God. He had a great helper, a mentor, saying, you need to fear God, you need to respect God. He helps him to seek the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So there are two words that are repeated. Like he sought God, then he sought the Lord again. He's seeking God and he's, he's seeking the Lord. And as long as he is seeking the Lord, we're supposed to notice this. God is giving him prosperity. God is the one making him prosperous. Right? Seeking God resulted in success. And uh, we're, we still, we can't preach that enough. It's a good thing to seek the Lord all of our days. So we see... His rise, we start to see a description of Uzziah. 
Well, as I see Uzziah, I'm kind of reading some things that Uzziah started to stack. He had some successes, and this was like, well, stack that there, and stack that success, and stack that success. In fact, there are five things that Uzziah stacks, if you will. We're going to go through them one by one as the text does. So begin to see this. He is rising higher and higher of the birds and the bees and the trees. All right, let's go. Verse 6. He went out and he made war against the Philistines. And he broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. He built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. Isn't that great? God helped him. Against the Philistines. That's his source of strength and power and ours too. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbael and against the Meunites. Sadly, he's about to become a Meunite. Uh, somebody with Meitis. But God is helping him. Verse 8 The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. The first thing that Uzziah stacks is military success. God gave Uzziah military success. He goes into different cities. He goes up against different people. And and he is doing battle. And and number one, the first thing he stacks is this military success. Victory after victory after victory. They're paying tribute to him. It's a great thing. Well, look at the second thing. I want you to see that the second thing that Uzziah stacks are his building projects. So in verses 6 through 8, number 1, we see military success. But number 2, he starts to have building projects. Look at verses 9 and 10. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle. And he fortified them. It's a great building project. People must have loved that. They're becoming safe. Verse 10, he built towers in the wilderness. And he cut out many cisterns. All that, man, refreshing. For he had large herds, both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands. For he loved the soil. Number one, he stacks up this military success. I mean, today you would say this. He's an athlete. If you were into athletes writing the Super Bowl stuff, this guy was, boom, he was winning the Super Bowl. But the second thing he was doing was building projects. I mean, if you like, you know, seeing the stuff go up, this is the businessman. He is building things. He is accomplishing things. All of a sudden, there are towers going up, and it's becoming more fortified, and he's even digging wells. There are water resources coming available. This this guy is doing it. Number three, you, you read about it. There's also some agricultural projects. He says that he has large herds. So if you're into the farming thing, this guy is the ultimate farmer and, and cattle rancher kind of guy. Large herds. Both in the Shephelah and in the plain, and he had farmers. You like to farm? This guy had the best. He was raising all of his own stuff. It was great. Vine dressers, I mean, he ate the best. He drank the best. Uh, great agricultural projects that he's accomplishing. In the hill and in the fertile land. Bible says this, he loved the soil. Do you? Hopefully, man, it's going to be spring soon. You're going to be outside trimming stuff and working in the soil, right? Uzziah, I mean, he just did everything. He was just great at this stuff. Stack, stack, stack. Number four, army strength and inventions. Actually, inventions of war. Look at verses 11 through 15 as we end up with his rise. Moreover, it's like, let me tell you some more. Uzziah had an army of soldiers 
fit for war in divisions, according to the numbers and the muster made by G.L., the secretary, and uh, Maasiah, the officer under the director of Han- direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 uh, who could help or excuse me, who could make war with the mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah, watch this, prepared for all the army, shields, army strength and invention, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made engines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and hurl great stones. So I don't know that it's the, like the catapult or the ballista. I think those came later. But it's something that he is building up and something that he is helping them to either have this capability to hurl stones and to do some... Ne- I mean, he's inventing things. It's for his army's strength. That's the fourth thing. The fifth thing is just he stacks this up. Great power and fame. Look how f- verse 15 ends. And his fame spread far. For he was marvelously helped. By who? It's implied, right? God. Till he was strong. Verse 8 says, His fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. His fame spread far. He's marvelously helped by God, by the Lord, right? Till he was strong. Uh Uh-oh, something's coming. So we see King Uzziah's rise. All those things that he begins to stack. Someone has said this and given us a warning. Warning! We're never closer to failure than during our greatest successes. We're never closer to failure than during our greatest successes. And it's there when we, things are going well and we are successful that we just grow blind to it. Right? All of a sudden, the power becomes too much. Right? The, the ego's too inflated and great men and women fall. Self-glory will ruin a good king. I was going to say self-glory would ruin a politician, but they may already be ruined these days. But or you see it, right? Self-glory will ruin a great boss or a great pastor, right? Or a, a, a great parishioner. Self-glory ruins us. Pastor Tim Keller said these words, the ego is so busy all the time, isn't it? The ego is so busy all the time. So we see his rise, but then we see his fall. Verse 16 through the end of the chapter show us Uzziah's fall. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Look at verse 16. But when he was strong, he grew proud unto his destruction. When he was strong, he grew proud. You're going to see the sin of self-glory, what he does to his destruction, to his fall. He turns out to be king of the mud. That's all he could see. For he was unfaithful to the Lord Yahweh his God. And he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. That is a no-no for him. He's unfaithful. He was suffering with pride. And he tells us that he's going to act in this way. He's going to become unfaithful to the Lord's instructions. He's going to take it upon himself to go into the temple and to burn incense. Look at verse 17. But Azariah, the priest, went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor, and they were courage. It takes courage to confront a king, doesn't it? 
And they're about to do it because they're going to stand for what's right. Now, that'll preach to us too, right? I don't, I don't care who the president is. I'm going to confront evil wherever it's seen, right? Wherever it's displayed, right? Will it cost you? Probably, right? But, but we need to be like priests and say, look, even on the job, look, that, that's not right, right? Right is right and wrong is wrong. And it takes some courage for these guys to go and say, hey, this ain't right for you to be doing this. Uh-uh. No, no. King of Israel or king of Judah. King of Israel were the crazy liberal, a whole lot sinful. They didn't even have good king. King of Judah, right? More of maybe the party that you would align with. But look, even if it's king of Judah, if it ain't right, it ain't right. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Look at how it continues. Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor, and they withstood King Uzziah. And they said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priest, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, Uzziah. You have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Okay, I humble myself. I'll turn and, and go. Do you think he's going to respond that way? You guys are right. I shouldn't be doing this. I'll repent. That's what humility would do. Look at what pride does. Verse 19. Then Uzziah was angry, raging like a storm. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry, enraged like a storm, is what the, the Hebrew kind of reads, with the priest, he's not going to take their advice. He's like, no, I'm mad. I'm doing this. How dare you guys confront me? I'm Yertle the Turtle. Right? How dare you? You're just Max on the bottom. Take right. Oh, he, no, no, no. I'm doing this. When he became angry with the priest, the Bible says leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly. And he himself hurried to go out. And he's like, oh, now I need to, because the hand of God is upon me. <laughs> because the Lord had struck him. Verse 21, sadly, his fall. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. Being a leper, he lived in a separate house. where He was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote. And Uzziah slept with his fathers. They buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings. For they said, he's a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. When he was strong, verse 16, it's key, he grew proud, unfaithful to the Lord. Verse 19 is key, and he's angry. Did not show sorrow. He didn't repent or rethink his actions. He was angry and wanted to continue his refusal, pride. Like Uzziah, prideful people think the rules don't apply to them, do they? That rule doesn't apply to me, applies to everybody. I, I can break that rule. I can do this, God, and get away with it. And Azariah and the priest say, no, no, no. What is pride? John Piper gives the definition. It's pretty simple. Pride is turning away from God specifically to take satisfaction in self. What is pride? It's turning away from God specifically to take satisfaction in self. We could say it's, it's self-glory. Uzziah was seeking 
power for himself, but here in his fall, he's even seeking a, a spiritual power that didn't belong to him, nor was it fitting for him. It wasn't his to, to grasp. Can you think of another, <laughs> Lucifer, that tried to take a power that didn't belong to him and his fall? He's, he's doing something that Scripture said don't do. Let me read you a couple of passages just really quickly. Numbers 18.7 And you, Aaron, and your sons with you shall guard the priest, the Levi, shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar and that is within the veil. And you shall serve, I give your priesthood as a gift, and any outsider who comes near shall be put to death. They probably could have killed Uzziah, but instead they graciously try to correct him and then they get him out. They were commanded to put anybody to death that, that tried to do something like that that they weren't authorized to do. And Uzziah was not authorized to do it. Exodus 30, verses 7-8 through 8 gives more of the commands. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense, unauthorized fire on it or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Uzziah was acting, offering unauthorized incense. It wasn't fitting for him to do that. I'll be my own priest. Right? I, I, I'll be my own God. Wrong. Right? I'll be my own God and decide what, what I can do. And No, no. Self-righteousness sees no need for a great high priest. Amen? When people walk around with self-righteousness, they're never going to turn to a high priest and say, Jesus, I need you to be my high priest and to offer what I can't and what I shouldn't. I need your righteousness, Lord. One of the challenges in this life will always be the, the deification of man versus the glorification of God. Always. Do we deify man, self, an athlete tonight? <laughs> the deification of man, whoa, boy, we'll see it tonight, versus the glorification. Self versus the glorification of God, but only one fits on the throne. Uzziah wanted to be great. Uzziah had become the center of his life. Jenny Allen says these words. If I had to name the most destructive line of thinking in our 21st century culture, it's our incessant quest to be great. She goes on to say, we weren't built to be the center of our own worlds. Like Uzziah, a prideful heart fails to see God's hand. Don't forget the Lord. Forget self. Keller would write about the blessedness of, of forgetting self, right? Warren Wearsby comments well about uh, Uzziah. He says, Uzziah the soldier was defeated by pride. Uzziah the builder destroyed his own ministry and testimony. Uzziah the farmer reaped the painful harvest of what he had sown. And in the text, you see there are three effects of his pride. Leprosy, isolation, and eventual death. These were the three effects of his pride. Number one, leprosy on his forehead. Number two, isolation. He had to live separate the rest of his life. And then eventually, he dies. C.S. Lewis says, 
pride and spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. You can see my leprosy, can't you? It's embarrassing. But anyone that's before people, you know. You see those moments when leprosy starts to bubble out. Right? You might see mine. Someone might see yours. It could be a family member, a friend, or a co-worker. And the longer we live, it seems like the more it shows. Amen? It surfaces. God comes and He opposes our pride, just like the priests opposed King Uzziah. Proverbs 16.5 says this, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They'll not go unpunished. When we were in our First Peter series, we saw this verse. We'll put it on the screen. It's First Peter 5.5. 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Our pride will not go unpunished. God will come and, and oppose that, but He'll give grace to the humble. Our shadows follow us, don't they? Our shadow of pride follows us. But John Piper says this, Humility follows God like a shadow. I like that. Our last text for today is God's instruction in Romans 12.3. And I think it's the solution to self-glory. Romans 12, 3, he says, For by the grace given me, we all need it, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Or to seek humility by forgetting self. There's a great Puritan prayer that One that prayed because he realized he was a man of nothing and needed to be. Listen to his confession to God. When thou wouldst guide me, I control myself. When thou wouldst be sovereign, I rule myself. When thou wouldst take care of me, I suffice myself. When I should depend on thy providings, I supply myself. When I should submit to thy providence, I follow my will. When I should study love, honor, trust thee, I serve myself. I fault and correct thy laws to suit myself. He goes on to confess his sins of self-glory. So Dr. Seuss and the Chronicler give us two cautionary stories, don't they? One fictional, but one very much real. The caution is this. There's always a little yurtle inside of us. There's always a little Uzziah inside of all of us. Praise God, the gospel comes and the gospel deals with our pride. The gospel forgives it and addresses it and, and gives us a better perspective because of the grace given to us, because of the, the faith. The gospel deals with our pride. Our hope is in the humble King Jesus, a better king than Yertle, a better king than, than a Uzziah, one that said at the Last Supper, I'll wash feet, I'll take the form of a servant, right? I, I will humble myself. That's our hope is in King Jesus and in the gospel and in his good news. 
that he loves us, that we admit our sin, that we confess our self-glory and say, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to seek your glory. Lord, I need your forgiveness. And, And Jesus heals our sin, our leprosy. Jesus can heal our pride. Today, I invite you to pray and to invite the Lord to search your heart and for us to confess this. I think it's fitting to end the series with with this one, this soul issue, because in a lot of ways, we could remain very much uh, prideful and and have too much self-focus and become too self-absorbed, where we forget to look outward and forget to look at, at others and forget the mission of the church, right? And, and so, you know, the soul issue has to end, right? You don't want to just stay there all the time, just looking inward and looking at yourself. But, but go back and think about the five topics that we covered. Why, why these? Why did the Lord lay these on my, on my heart? I think they're important for our church and for souls in Bartow County. Loneliness. Anger, specifically being angry at God. We looked at that. Thirdly, justice, wrestling with the justice of God. Is God fair? Is He good? We looked fourthly at guilt and shame. And then last, at pride, because they all almost kind of find their root there. Almost every sin finds its root in in pride. And so I pray that this series has been helpful to you. I, I pray that you'll be able to go away and to even pray and to say, God, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. and Help me to know better of why I do what I do and why I say what I say. And Lord, if this is an issue to confess it and to seek grace and to seek strength, to seek the Lord, and God will give you blessing. We're going to respond now in song. I invite you to bow your head and to close your eyes. and. It's just a time of response. And I think there's something humbling about coming to an altar. It's something humbling to come and to say, Pastor, I want to seek salvation today. I want to become a Christian. It's, it's humbling to let someone dunk you underwater in, in 2023. It's, it's humbling to come and to say, Lord, I'm, I'm broken before you. But maybe you need to come to a humble altar today and to humble yourself. And, and we invite you to do that. Thank the Lord for his good news. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this series. We thank you for this sermon. Lord, we thank you that all things, Corinthians says, were given for our instruction. Lord, that the old illustrates the new. And Father, that it points us, Lord, to the New Testament where we should know, Lord, that we're to humble ourselves, to think with right thoughts. Lord, to build up others. Lord, help us to, to forget self, how hard it is in our society and in our culture. So, Lord, we need your grace, Lord. Maybe there are other issues deep within us, Lord, that we need to pour out to you today. And it's only because of pride hanging on that we haven't let it go and we haven't addressed it and let you speak into our lives. And so, Lord, help us to let your Holy Spirit convict and move and deal with us. Lord, thank you for the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. By grace, we can be saved today through faith. And it's not of ourselves. Thank you for that, Lord. May, may some come today. And find help in Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.